Welcome back to the Two Man Wall Podcast. This is Match Week 24. I am joined now in person by my co-host and brother, Ethan. What's up? And they are in in town visiting visiting the boy for the for the weekend. What do you think so far? Yeah, I really like it. It's a really it's a really nice city. It's not one I'd say it's specifically meant for the tourists necessarily. A city like Paris where you say, yeah. Oh, you gotta go see the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. There's nothing in Copenhagen where it's like, Oh, you gotta see this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's overall just a really nice city. You can definitely tell that the Danish people take pride in their yeah, in their culture. It's a very clean city. Haven't seen any uh homeless person yet. You know why? <laughs> because begging in Copenhagen is illegal. It's illegal it's to illegal. beg in Copenhagen. It's illegal to sit on the side and have like a job change. You're, oh, not, wow. you're not allowed to do that. So if you see that, it's illegal. Um and also it's a very cashless city. So no yeah. one's really carrying <laughs> bills on them to like donate to homeless people. So it's just like it's not a good place to be for homeless the people. Homeless don't take Venmo? <laughs> no, they don't. No, no no cash out, fortunately. Um but yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you guys are here. And uh, normally we'd be in the studio, but we just closed at this hour, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you're getting some ambient noise today, but that's okay. Um, but without any further ado, let's get into the Worst Team Wins update. And if you're unfamiliar with the Worst Team Wins competition, it's a competition between me and Ethan. Season-long competition where we both built FPL, Fantasy Premier League-style teams, out of 80 million pounds worth of players, except instead of trying to build the best team, we were trying to build the worst performing team over the course of the season. The team that performs the worst is the winner, and the other person has to do a forfeit. And that forfeit is buying the jersey of the worst performing player on their other team. And now you can get into the update. Yeah, it's going to be a very good update for you, because this may be your best week yet. Not just in terms of how many points you have scored, but in terms of your point differential this week, because I didn't have the best of weeks. So my team, Garnacho Cheese, had 35 points. Uh, Saka had a goal. Uh, I believe Bruno Fernandez had a couple assists to Marcus Rashford, so they built up a couple of points for my team. But Braden's team, I mean, just goose eggs left, right, and center. No goals from Holland. Darwin Nunez was the only person who put up any yeah. real points for you. Emmy Martinez had negative three. Oh my god, yeah. yeah. Uh, four kills conceded in an own goal? That's gotta yeah. be an all-time worst team wins performance. So, 10 points for Brayden's team this week. Jay-Z's died for our top ends. And that brings Brayden's season total to 870 points. And mine to 720. <laughs> so, an even 150-point deficit for Brayden. Clawing my way back. Clawing my way back. There's still 15 weeks... 15 weeks and 150 points, t- 10 points a week. And I may have 25 this week. So anything is possible. As Kevin Garnett said, anything is possible. And without any further ado, we'll get into the matches we'll be covering this week, starting off with Chelsea nil, Southampton 1, James Ward-Prowse, the lone goal in this game, in the 45th plus four, a signature and I mean that in every sense of the word, signature James Ward-Prowse free kick. Perfect distance, perfect lift, perfect curl, perfect free kick, as we've come to know of the man. And that is the way it would finish. one nothing Southampton. They take all three at Stamford Bridge, and it goes from bad to very bad to worse for Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, I mean, James Ward-Prowse free kicks are glorified penalties. 
at this point as as soon as you see the ref blow the whistle you could hear just like an all just an audible just like oh. like yeah i wasn't gonna say gas just like a sigh just like oh dear god what have we done here and, so literally to the way i would look at yeah. gabriel when he gives up a penalty in the box he's just like oh my god <clears throat> yeah uh i don't know how i mean maybe i haven't seen anybody stick a guy on the line yet for a ward prowse free yeah. kick um and yeah he's gone to the near post too a couple yeah, of times yeah, yeah. there's there really doesn't seem to be any good solution to those besides just not give them away yeah. but yeah another just vintage ward prowse free kick and another we're well, now becoming vintage chelsea performances yeah. <laughs> uh they were not without threat though definitely in, in the second half the starting lineup was a bit un undermanned i'd say yeah. not their usual starters uh i think that's probably due to the fact that they had the champions league game midweek mm -hmm. uh but yeah they brought in reinforcements at halftime they brought on sterling i think mudrick came in not at halftime but a little afterwards they brought on kai havertz um but yeah sterling had a couple really nice chances one cleared off the line one cleared by maitland niles one which definitely would have yeah, gone in yeah. so it was just one of those days but they seem to be having yeah. one of those days every week now. So I don't know what is going to turn Chelsea's fortunes around. I, uh, I mean, if, if this wasn't Graham Potter's first season. No, I take that back. If this if Graham Potter wasn't hired midseason, he would have been out the door already and probably yeah. signed by another club. Mm -hmm. um, this. Chelsea confidence has almost allowed me to believe that they're going to stick out with him for the long haul. Like, it's not like they're giving him an extra couple of games because they believe in him. I think that they, they could lose the next three and I still think he's going to be in charge. I think they truly believe in him. I think, well, it's clear that Chelsea fans for the most part have given up on him because when you, one thing, uh, there's one thing that happens when you spend 300 million pounds on players you know it's not the player's fault because yeah. you brought in just that much talent that it can't be their fault. It has to be the guy running the show. And unfortunately, they're not wrong because Enzo Fernandez is good. Is he worth $120 million? Obviously not. But he's very good. Mudrick's very good. Sterling's good. Like, all these guys, man, they're, they're, they just have so much talent. It's... And I, I do, I didn't think it was a Grand Potter issue because you know how big of a Grand Potter fan I am. But maybe it's just not his style of club. You know, he was maybe there's big club managers and there's small club managers. And maybe he was just never cut out for this job. I don't know. Well, I think, I think Chelsea's quote unquote faith in him isn't necessarily faith, but more the fact that. They're not in a really good position yeah. to fire him. Not only because it just looks terrible that they hire them <laughs> mid-season, but they're sitting in ninth right now with no real prospect of getting into yeah. Champions League. So there's not really too much to gain here, and there's not much to lose either. Because for a club like Chelsea, if you're not finishing in Europe, then it doesn't really matter if you finish ninth or seventeenth. Yeah, because yeah. I mean. The revenue, their primary source of revenue isn't really where yeah, they're finishing no, in the in the Premier League. And I don't think it's really good <laughs> curve they're spending either no. way. So 
it doesn't really benefit them to sack Pollard now. They might as well stick it out. Mm-hmm. But I think as soon as the start of the next season comes, he's going to be... He may already be mm-hmm. on the nice. Like, yeah. he, he will not be given any sort of latitude. I mean, just look, look at Tuchel. They gave... Remember that had the first 300 million of Chelsea spending came under Tuchel. They yeah. gave Tuchel 300 million to spend and they fired them after like six Premier League games, yeah. seven at most. So I think they'll stick with Pollard till the end of the season just because it would look really bad if yeah. they didn't. But come the start of next season, Pollard is going to need to win games quickly. Yeah. He will have absolutely, there'll be zero tolerance for underachievement. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's, I don't know, obviously I I said it when we did the winners and losers that I thought this would happen, but, like, it's, it's just, I don't think it's Potter's fault because I think this is just a doomed job. Like, I don't, like, you need a real world-class manager and some luck, honestly, to, to bring this kind of talent, young talent together. Look, you bring in a bunch of 31-year-old veterans that have been playing the Premier League. You bring in, like, the Milners and the, and the Walcotts. Like, they could put together a winning formula. But you, you take Mudrick from Ukraine, Enzo from Portugal, uh, fucking uh, just Batty Yashil from France. Uh, like, uh, it's just that you, you're trying to bring all these cultures together it's i don't know it, it's just very difficult also chelsea didn't deserve to lose this game <laughs> they, they deserved at least a point and probably at another universe they win this game 2-1-3-1 because they had more than enough chances to score southampton you know packed it in by every sense of the word and got pretty lucky with some goal line clearances now they worked their ass off to get those balls off the line and it was a lot of luck that they made themselves but you know, in a different alternate time, time you know, universe. Yeah. Uh, you're saying like, okay, Chelsea got the win here. Maybe we should give Grand Potter another week. But it's just because of uh, just some very unfortunate situations that he's getting darts thrown in his face. But, you know, they didn't play fantastic and they're not playing up to their potential. So he certainly deserves at least most of the criticism he's getting as much as I love the guy. But hopefully better times ahead for Chelsea Football Club. Moving on to... I'm going to do Arsenal last. Okay. That's why I skipped it. Yeah, I figured. Um, moving on to Newcastle nil, Liverpool 2. The second Newcastle loss of the season. And the second Newcastle loss of the season to Liverpool Football Club. This time at St. James's Park, which is just a very tough place to play yeah. this year. Starting off in the 10th minute... Nunez gets in the goals again after a long dry spell, finally getting one through a very nice Trent Alexander-Arnold ball, and then gets injured because he has to, and he, nothing good could ever happen to Nunez in succession. Did, I just didn't sit right yeah. the football gods. <laughs> and then swiftly after, in the 17th minute, Salah plays an absolute peach of a first-time ball right over the Newcastle back line in for Gakpo, takes a nice touch, slots it home, and those two back on the score sheet. Um, I mean, not back on the score sheet for Nunez, but Gakpo back on the score sheet. Yeah. After avoiding the 007 curse, <laughs> now he's 207, 208 maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then another key moment, 22nd minute, Nick Pope ignores the uh little box in the field that tells you where you can yeah. and can't <laughs> use your hands as a keeper. Um, 
and get swiftly sent off the field and not only sent off the field, but suspended for their Cabrera Cup match at the weekend um, or at the midweek. Yeah. So it's. It, 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 that Nick Pope one was very confusing, yeah. one, I must say. But this one was kind of a Liverpool performance where you could say this is the way that Liverpool should be performing against a team like Newcastle because they just have so much talent. And they, they did Liverpool things. They haven't been doing many Liverpool things this season. And they finally did some Liverpool things. And they've just played very well. And to do it, to, like, wake up to, in, to some extent against, like, arguably the toughest place to play in the Premier League besides mm-hmm. maybe the Emirates, like, just, it's, it's confusing as, you know, most of this Liverpool season has been. But, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a little confusing. <laughs> yeah, I, I said in my prediction last week when I was predicting this game, which I believe I predicted Newcastle to win 1-0, that Liverpool were back to their former best selves against Everton, but I just didn't feel confident that they could do that again. But that's exactly what they did. I mean, uh, Alexander-Arnold, two games in a row where he's assisted. This was a great ball in for Nunez, although I'm not quite sure what was going on with the Newcastle back back line that's usually just so rigid. There's so much space for Nunez. He didn't even start his run. Until Trent Alexander-Arnold played the ball. He had 10 yards of space either side of him. So I wasn't sure what's going on there. But no, again, it's just the same, the same, new, the same Liverpool team that we saw last week. Just really keeping the ball moving really quickly. Looking really good on the counterattack. Just the front three finally clicking again. Yeah. I mean, we, we mentioned the stat a couple podcasts ago that since the world cup their top score have been wout face (laughs) uh so yeah all all good things are happening for liverpool at the moment it's finally clicking van dyke is back and they kept a clean sheet that should be no surprise nor a coincidence although i do want to say that saint maximon despite newcastle shortcomings this game saint maximon looked back to his best too he had like seven dribbles completed and he uh, he was very close to setting up the opener where he just went right past uh, Alexander-Arnold and Fabinho and set up Almiron for a pretty good chance before Liverpool had gotten the opener. So things could have ended up differently, but they didn't. And Liverpool definitely deserved the win. After Nick Pope got sent off, it was pretty comfortable from there. But with Real Madrid coming up midweek, Liverpool will be very happy that they finally found a bit of form. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Liverpool, it seems like that's the one thing Liverpool need this season is form. Because it seems like they just never have it. Yeah. And they just look disjointed and underperforming. And these guys that they brought in, Gakpo, Nunez, uh, you know, just underperforming. And that's really all you could say. But, you know, I'll say it again. I back Nunez in my goal picks because I, I, I do think it's coming for him. It's... Um, <clears throat> we often see Premier League players make it look easy when they come into the Premier League, Salah, Holland, etc. It's usually not. Usually there are growing pains, especially for goal scorers. And I think Nunez is experiencing some of those growing pains coming from Benfica to a team that is just, you know, English media is terrible, terrible place sometimes, yeah. especially when you're not scoring as a striker. So... I think it just got to him a little bit once he gets starts gaining confidence. I think. I mean, look at Marcus Rashford. Like, it's a confidence thing. He's always had the talent. 
Mm-hmm. He he was he was playing almost this well as like a fucking twenty year old, but he just dropped off because lack of confidence. And now he's got his confidence back, and now he's one of the best players on the planet at the moment. So, yeah. uh, confidence. I think we underestimate like form and confidence in this league, and it's just such a big deal. So, long story short, if Gakpo and Nunez can get some confidence, it's uh, it's a long road back for Liverpool. But I think you know, journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. And finally, the obvious objective game of the weekend, one of the games of the season, Aston Villa 2, Arsenal 4, starting off with Ollie Watkins in the fifth minute opening the scoring on a, opening the scoring on a very, very nice solo effort versus a quote-unquote off-form Saliba. Yeah. He, he, since the World Cup, has not been as... He started the season, like, I I haven't seen... And look, Arsenal have had some weak center-backs yeah. in the last 10 years. Let me... Mustafi, Socrates, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 was, it was bad. G- Gabriel Paulista wasn't great. Like, yeah. they, they've had some weak center-backs. And Saliba was a very nice breath of fresh air when he came in at the beginning of the season. Um, but since it just seems like he's had a little bit of trouble gaining, regaining that confidence from the beginning again, still love the guy, still very young, obviously, yeah. but, um, I think he's been under a little bit of criticism and some of it's deserved, but this one was honestly more of Ollie Watkins. Good finish. But, yeah. Um, in the 16th minute, Saka, as Arsenal have done a lot this season, equalizes very quickly. Ball falls to Saka on a half volley and gives Martinez absolutely no chance from 14 yards. This one might be the pick of the bunch. Um, if if Jorginho's winning off the bar, maybe that one. But uh, <laughs> I think this one was the pick of the bunch. This was just a very, very clean volley. I don't think Martinez even dove for it. He just kind of watched it soar into the top of the net. Then in the 31st, a very swift, very well-worked Aston Villa yeah. counterattack. Aston Villa... Did not have a ton of ventures into the Arsenal no. final third in the first they half were of this game. Absolutely clinical, though. Yeah. In the penalty area. Personally, this was my pick of the bunch because this is yeah. one of the best team goals I've yeah. seen so far this season. Yeah. Just the slip ball in behind for, uh, um, was it Buendia on the left wing? Yeah, maybe? cut it back. And then, yeah, cut it back, the, the dummy to lay it off for Coutinho and just the coolness of the finish to send yeah. Ramsdale the wrong way. Yep. I was mad that Arsenal had gone a goal down again but i honestly just yeah. looking at this goal is looking for someone to play yeah, yeah. but it was really just such a well-worked goal from yeah. and that would make it 2-1 shortly after halftime 61st minute maybe not so shortly after halftime 16 minutes after halftime mm-hmm. depending on how quick the game went for you uh a nice spell of arsenal pressure leads to a short corner which arsenal played a ton of short corners yeah, in this game i don't corners. think that, i can't remember too many times that they actually whipped it into the box um Ball finds Zinchenko on his favorite left foot, cuts it into the middle, and buries his first Arsenal goal. At first Premier League goal. First Premier League. Oh, that's right. First Premier League goal, even for Manchester City, at, uh, at Martinez's near post from around 16 yards out. This is a very, very well-taken goal. Not much space for him to work with on that near post, and he slipped it in very, very nicely. That was the equalizer at 2-2. 30 minutes of pressure leads to the... 90 plus three winner from the back of Emmy Martinez's head, the World Cup Golden Glove winner. Not his best day. A vicious, 
vicious 22 yard Jorginho strike, which I don't think is a sentence anyone said before today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> finds the crossbar and ricochets right off the back of Martinez's head, which for a goalkeeper is not much you can do about it. Yeah. It's just very comical when you consider the scope of Martinez's, uh, you know, how should I say, uh, press conference career <laughs> since he's left Arsenal. Um, some He's a polarizing Arsenal figure, I would say that. Yeah. And it's the back of his head that's helped right. Arsenal regain. Once a gooner, always a gooner. <laughs> he, he saw this club in need and was like, you know, I'm going to do, do you guys one solid. Bite the bullet? Yeah. One more time. And then in the 98th, Martinelli finishes off a counterattack with Martinez up trying to get the equalizer. An empty netter. Yeah, an empty netter, if you will. And the game would finish 4-2. to two. Arsenal take, as it would turn out, a two-point lead at the top of the table with a game at hand. Uh, no, three-point lead. Two-point two point lead. Uh, yeah, that's right. Two-point lead at the top of the table with a game at hand um, because of the City and Nottingham Forest draw. But this one, Arsenal deserved all three points. They got it in a very unorthodox way. Yeah. They should have got it in a more orthodox way. I'm calling out that Odegaard chance to, I believe that was at 2-2. Two, two. At 2-2, two, two, yeah. To, to win it. Uh, that one, I mean, ball f- falls to your informed captain and you kind of expect the net to be bulging there. Um, I personally thought that that was it. I saw that and I was like, there's no way Arsenal are winning this game today. Simple as that. Like, they, they had chances. I just, I didn't believe and it, I guess it took a Jorginho long shot and uh, Martinez own goal, which, you know, two very unlikely things happening at the same time <laughs> uh, to get it over the line. And you know what? <clears throat> You'll never catch me complaining, Ethan. Yeah, I think Jorginho just physically can't score a non-penalty goal. So, <laughs> so something else had to happen for Jorginho to take a shot and for it to end up in yep. the back end. That's something had to happen in between there. Uh, but no, just an absolutely crazy game uh talking to dad before the game and we were saying that we want a bit of a statement performance not just a win and by the end i think we were just pretty happy with (laughs) (laughs) with just the three points but certainly the second half was was a big statement um something i've talked about on the podcast is or at least in the first half of the season for arsenal is the swagger that they played with and that's something that I always said that they had lost a bit in these last, you know, five or so games. Yeah. Even even when they were winning, they just weren't playing with the same, just like confidence that you yeah. could visibly see. Sort of like in the beginning of the season, like ten games in, when Arsenal were like five points clear, just yeah. winning games left, right, and center. I was going to Arsenal games and I was watching them play, and like you could just see that Arsenal know they're better and yeah. they play like it and yeah. Arsenal really weren't playing like that yeah, totally for agree. a while and they're still not quite at that level and it's hard yeah. because no party no Jesus yeah um so it's hard for the ball movement to be quite as fluid but they looked as close to that in the second half against Villa as they have in a while because it was just all guns blazing going fully at Villa Villa didn't really have a chance in the second half besides the Leon Bailey yeah. uh, shot that Ramsdale saved onto the crossbar. And it was really, again, it was really just the clinicality of Villa that it was even a game. Yeah. Only two chances in the first half was that, yeah. was the Watkins goal, which again, he took really well, 
nothing Ramsdale could do. Just smashed it into the bottom right corner on his weaker side. And then the fantastic Aston Villa yeah. go-ahead goal. I mean, on the, on XG, I know the Martinelli one was like 0.99999. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, taking away that, it was like 2.4 to 0.4 on XG. So you could tell that Arsenal deserved to win the game. It was just Villa took their chances and Arsenal didn't. And usually when that happens, you drop points. Luckily enough, Arsenal have been so good this season, they've generated enough chances to blow some, and they'll get the ball over the line. Um, I wanted to shout out Jorginho really quick, because he was under a little bit of criticism from the Arsenal fans after his last performance. He was the consensus man of the match uh, on Saturday. It was, it was clear he was back, not at his best, but he was back doing what he does best, which is ball progression. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Party's very good at that, too, and probably would have done a fine job, but what we needed against a Villa team that we knew we were going to dominate was a guy that could that was going to break lines and progress the ball, and that was exactly what he did. He was very, very good on the ball. He was classic Jorginho. He played it square when he needed to, but he turned up field and broke lines when he needed to, and <clears throat> you always need a guy like that if you're going to score four goals in a game. If you, need, if you need three goals to win a game, you need a guy at, at, at the number six who's going to play progressive passes like nonstop and he stepped up big time and if that was Albert Sambi Lakonga we probably lose this game so uh you know it's I think that game Arsenal got their money's worth out of him already yeah it's clear that and it's taken him a couple of games to gain that confidence in this Arsenal side because it's not just about the execution of the balls it's about the attempts to make those uh incisive passes and the first game in that Everton game again coming on as a sub in that kind of hostile atmosphere in his first game for Arsenal you could see he was just not as willing to try as much but in this Villa game he really came to his own and again more specifically in that second half is when he really shined obviously he had the shot that led to uh, the winner he had a really nice slip through ball for either like soccer and and Ketia crucial part of the game so he's definitely growing in confidence and i'm not sure how long the part of the injury is i'm not sure about the severity of it obviously a one back as soon as possible yeah. but if Jorginho keeps playing like that it won't yeah. it won't dent arsenal's uh title hopes yeah i agree uh now we'll round it out for our feature matches now to conclude with some scores from around the ground starting off with Brentford 1, Crystal Palace 1, the points are shared between the two, starting off with Eze in the 69th, and then a Vitali Janolt 90 plus 6 minute winner, not winner, equalizer, to steal a point from Crystal Palace, who could probably need it at this stage of the season. Brentford have had a very good season. Uh, probably stolen a couple of these games, uh, like so, but... Uh, yeah, Crystal Palace probably needed the points a little bit more, and I'm sure Vieira was devastated to be dropping two like this, especially away from home. Wolves nil, Bournemouth won. Bournemouth picking up three points in a football match is always something to make note of, and they did so on Saturday. Uh, it was Marcus Tavernier in the 49th, and that stood. It was kind of an onslaught from Wolves. I know I have a Domitriore in fantasy, and he picked up like four key passes and seven successful dribbles. It was a good day for him, but 
obviously not a good day for the rest of the team. Couldn't get the ball over the line. There's attacking op new attacking options. Sarabia, Cunha, not exactly doing the business that they thought they would this early. But again, plenty of time. A huge, huge three points for Bournemouth, as wins are few and far between. Brighton versus Fulham, the battle of you know mid majors, I should say. Uh, the new Liverpool and Chelsea, maybe I should say. Uh, finishes Brighton nil, Fulham one. Fulham go to Brighton, get three points, a place, a thing that there's not many teams that have gone and done this season, but I guess it's just a testament to how good Fulham have been. Yeah. Uh, it was Manar Salomon in the 88th to steal it. Uh, it seems like Brighton kind of dominated the game here. Um, but again, Fulham on the season they're on. Can't really say that it was undeserved from their perspective because they've just been so good. Um, shout out William again. Just want to shout out William every yeah. week because it's just unbelievable. Also want to shout out uh, Bern Lino who's having a fantastic oh, yeah. season. Absolutely. Yeah, I, clean sheet for him, seven saves. I had I am him in fantasy as well. Twenty one yeah. points. Everton won leads nil. A huge three points for Everton. Not only because you pick up three points in the Premier League. But you're picking up three points in the Premier League against Leeds United, who you're sending right back down into relegation. Uh, and then Leeds are going to turn around and have another huge relegation battle next week against Southampton. But 15 shots, six on target, 50% possession for a Sean Dyche team. That just it doesn't sit right with me. I don't know about you. But they got the job done. Sean Dyche surely getting his money's worth at this point. Um Finishes one nothing to Everton. Everton pick up three points. Leeds now sitting nineteenth on, I believe nineteen points. Yeah, nineteen points from twenty three games. They are two points from safety on equal games with Bournemouth, who got three points this weekend as well. Bleak for them. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I believe I predicted them to go down in seven in eighteenth. Because uh, I just didn't believe in the squad, and I feel like that's that's kind of what's come to fruition right now for him. Mm. Nottingham Forest won. Manchester City won. A game that I wasn't watching. I was watching the Southampton-Chelsea game. I wasn't watching this game until the little notification came down at the top that said, Chris Wood, goal 84th. I was like, <gasps> And then I quickly switched over to that game because Nottingham Forest forced City to drop two points in a heated title race after beating Arsenal midweek and taking the top spot back. Unbelievable result for Arsenal fans, to, for Nottingham Forest to steal it this late, but credit to Nottingham Forest on the form they've been on. This one seemed a little bit like a trap game for City. Yeah, City absolutely should have won this game. Yeah. Some of the chances that they missed, Holland had, I won't, I won't say an open goal, but... He absolutely skied the ball from about six yards out. He just had to avoid uh, one sliding challenge from a defender, but we'll never know because he put 20 yards over the bar. Yeah. And another one, Phil Foden. Phil Foden and Holland had a 2v nothing really? on their keeper. Uh, and Foden just, I don't know why, he just slowed his run down and then tried to like square it with his left and it got intercepted. It was terribly worked. Yeah. And, one of the reasons why Foden isn't starting <laughs> anymore. Uh, or he started this game and probably won't start the next. Yeah. But Nottingham Forest, 
<laughs> took their one opportunity, at least that I saw, <laughs> from this game. I didn't watch that much of the first half, but I watched pretty much the entire second yeah. half. Uh, Nine and Forest, they didn't really play <laughs> that well. <laughs> like, I'm not going to give Forest that much credit yeah. here. I mean, they got their goal, they got their point, so credit for that, but they could barely string three passes together yeah. for most of that game. And once they went up, they certainly didn't try to string any more passes together. Yeah, they yeah. just booed it right <laughs> out the field. Even if they weren't under pressure, they still just <laughs> yeah. booed it. So, yeah, big, big result for Arsenal and for the title race. Yeah. It really feels like a title race yeah, yeah, yeah. now. Now, man, since Arsenal dropped points, then City dropped points, uh, it brings United back into it uh, as, a, as a third, a yeah. third you horse. You have to have that conversation. Yeah. Arsenal were eight points clear of City. Yeah. a couple weeks ago now they're right in the title race arsenal are eight points clear of united united yeah yeah um speaking of united man united three leicester city zero i think it's time to open a dialogue about the man marcus rashford as he gets two in this game 25th and 56th and then who else but Jaden sancho in the 61st this guy is i i said earlier in the podcast just the epitome of on form yeah just on his shit right now obviously we knew he was a fantastic player but he just seemed to be in a little bit of a rut whether you want to say it's the last beginning of the season last couple of years he had his moments but he certainly wasn't like this even the beginning of his career he is coming into his own uh, it makes me wonder if he's just the flame's gonna die out and he's gonna just go back and he's just the streaky player where they're gonna get you know, 12 weeks of prime Rashford and then 12 weeks of poor Rashford where you're, you know, putting in Alanga and shit and getting him off the bench. I hope, I hope for Man United's sake that this is just the start of his dominance in this team because they going, they can get a number nine in the summer, Harry Kane, <laughs> uh, going Rashford, Bruno, Anthony, Harry Kane. You tell me that team couldn't win the Premier League? Maybe with Harry Maguire in it, but like, I, I don't they probably need to replace Luke Shaw and Wabasaka at some point, but it, things are looking up. Yeah, what else can you say about Marcus <laughs> Rashford right now that hasn't already been said? Scored, I believe, six more goals than anybody else since the World Cup ended. 16 goals in 17 games, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah just can't stop scoring. Not, not much else. <laughs> not much else to say. And just, against a lesser, an on-form Leicester City team as well. I thought. Yeah. I think you said that Leicester would come get points in this game. Uh, I said three-two United. Three-two United. Yeah. But, I, I said United would win too, but I certainly thought Leicester City would put up more of a fight than this. Um. But with that, we will, I believe, round out the match, the scores in this week. Oh, Spurs West Ham. Oh, Spurs West Ham. Of course, Spurs two West Ham nil. How should I forget the Emerson Royale masterclass again? Since Pedro Porro was signed, he has turned into prime Danny Alves. Yeah. Um, he even got Hyungman Son on the score sheet, which never happens. So credit to Hyungman Son coming on as a substitute, being dropped for Richarlison, which rightfully so. Um, he has not been on this game recently, but nice win for Tottenham in the Derby. Uh, Conte's, you know, fucking terrorist ball can. All those comments can take a backseat for at least a week. It's not even his ball, though, because he's still not managing the team. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. He's still it's recovering from broad, surgery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is it? Appendicitis ball? Yeah. <laughs> Had removed gallbladder. 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 <laughs> gallbladder. <laughs> that. 
and with that, officially, we will round out our Match Week 24 content onto our 20 Match Week 25 content, starting off with our goal picks. If you're unfamiliar with goal picks, it is a season-long competition between me and Ethan. Every single week, we look ahead to the match, next Match Week fixtures, and we try to pick three players that are going to score a goal. The catch is that the other player can block three players. If your player gets blocked, the, uh, the person that blocks the player... If I pick a player and Ethan blocks me, Ethan gets to choose that player instead of me. That seems more straightforward than what I was starting to say. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, would you like to get us into an update? Yes, I would. Uh, rare week where Braden makes up ground in both I of our I had a fantastic season-long competition, competition yeah. week this week. So, I got no goals out of my three picks this week, which were Mitrovic, Tony, and Ian Acho. And Brayden had two goals, one courtesy of Darwin Nunez and another courtesy of Bukayo Saka. So that brings the season tally to 13 for Brayden and 18 for me. A much more doable, manageable, sure. much more manageable uh, deficit to make up. All right. You know what? I'll pick first because you pick first. Okay. A lot of reasons. Starting off with my first player who goes by the name of Bukayo Saka. He's on form. And he's got uh, Lester this week, I believe. Lester. Lester this week, whose defense has been shaky at best. And also, he's Bukayo Saka, and he's having a fantastic season. If I can get Bukayo Saka, I'll take him any week I can. Second pick is Ollie Watkins, who impressed me this week as I was watching the Arsenal game. And I'm hoping he gets one back-to-back. I believe he has Everton, who... Have been a little bit stingier since Sean Dice took charge, but he's a good player, and I like him. He's a good guy. That's a good guy pick. And third, I have Richarlison from Spurs, who has recently taken the left wing role off of Youngman's son. Hopefully, that Youngman's son goal doesn't put him back on the bench. I'm hoping it doesn't. Um, and I think Richarlison can get on the score sheet this week because I didn't want to take Harry King because I thought he'd block him and I want to take somebody from Spurs. Who can I have? You can have all three. All right, look at me. Uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling you go with an Arsenal player. Yeah. Uh, I just picked wrong. I picked Odegaard. Okay. I thought you may uh, go with Saka, but I guess I bought the uh, double bluff there. <laughs> uh, my other block w- blocks were Riyad Mahrez and Mo Salah. So I guess I did go Ooh. for the double bluff on Riyad Mahrez. I so. was about to put in Salah really? for... I was about to put in Salah for um, Richarlison. Really? Because I was like, I don't think he's going to pick Salah. And I'd like, I, I think Salah might be hitting a stride. But okay. yes. Dodged it that time. Your picks, sir. All right. Well, I guess you both had the same logic on Salah. Because my first pick is Mo Salah. Uh, pretty much got the reasoning down right there. Um. Seems like an obvious pick that no one's really been taking at the moment, yeah. but I am a little worried because clearly you were thinking about <laughs> that. So maybe you did put him down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Liverpool are hitting their stride. They also have two games this match week because Wednesday, Ooh. they uh, I believe they play Wolves for like the 18th time this year <laughs> for some reason. Um, <laughs> anyway, so Mo Salah is my first pick and I'm not really too worried about these next two picks. Uh, Wilfred uh, Gnoto. Sure. Or Nato, yeah. whichever way you slice it. Uh, Leeds have a really, really big game at Ellen Road against Southampton mm-hmm. this weekend. 
uh, Nato's been one of their few players who's really on form. And I think he'll bag an important goal in this relegation battle. And for my third pick, I'm going for Mateus Cunha. Uh, another uh, two-game player this week as, again, Wolves play Liverpool and then also play uh, this weekend. So hopefully he'll bag in at least one of those games. So how many of those can I have? You can't have Salah. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I, I, because I didn't pick Richarlison, because I didn't pick Salah, I, I blocked Salah. Um, I went with Kane and Ketia and Salah. I think you might want to slip an Arsenal player in there, but you did not. You can have Stuart Armstrong this week, my friend. Against yeah, Leeds against United. Leeds. All right. You know what? <laughs> That's not even that An bad. inspired Stuart Armstrong against Leeds United. And I still have confidence he's not going to work. Uh, Does he have any goals this season? (laughs) But we will continue with our match week 25 predictions. Two games coming up this week, starting off with that huge bottom three clash between Leeds United and Southampton. It seems you have some Stuart Armstrong news for me. Yes, he has one goal this year. He has one goal (laughs) goal this year. All right. He's going to make it four. He's scoring a hat trick. (laughs) (laughs) Which actually doesn't bode too well for my prediction because I predict Leeds to win 3 1. So. Leeds Southampton. Yeah. Um, so there's a massive, massive game in the relegation battle. Both these teams have recently fired their managers. Uh, clearly, Southampton have gotten a bit of a boost from the new manager bounce. Clearly, Leeds have not. Uh, they had to play United twice, which is never easy, but in a point gettable, I'm making that a word, game <laughs> against Everton. Uh, they didn't manage to get any. So back at Ellen Road, this is going to be a massive one, and I think they're gonna break their win drought. They haven't won since November fifth, so it's been a minute. But I think the atmosphere at Ellen Road is gonna be really, really good. I think Southampton. If there's anybody you can break your win drought against, it's against the team who's rock bottom of the table. Uh, so yeah, I have confidence in Leeds. I'm still rooting for my Americans, even if, sure. w- even if the one managing them is gone. <laughs> we still got Aronson, we still got Adams, we still got McKinney now. So, Leeds 3, Leeds. Leeds 3? <laughs> Leeds 3, Southampton 1. <laughs> Leeds 3, Southampton 1. I'm going to go the other way. I think I liked what I saw out of Southampton against Chelsea, even though they were defending for their lives for a lot of that game. Uh, I, I thought that they, their defense was solid enough, and they were, they, when they had to put their bodies and lives on the line to get three points, they did. And they did so in spectacularly athletic fashion. I thought Maitland-Niles played actually a really good game off that right side. Um, midfield played well, progressing the ball. I think Leeds United have been historically overzealous in their press, which could lead to some counterattack goals for Southampton, who, let's be honest, can't really move the ball, so that's kind of how they get their goals. Um, I think Stuart Armstrong could get the winner. one nothing Southampton. And finally... Spurs hosting Chelsea in a Derby of the London type. What do you got? 
Yeah, so on the one hand, Spurs are an extremely difficult team to predict their results. Yeah. Because they, as we mentioned last podcast. The big six Crystal Palace. <laughs> yeah, the big six Crystal Palace. You never really know what they're going to do. They never go on winning streaks or losing streaks as of late. Uh, but on the other hand, Chelsea are very predictable because they pretty much drop points in every game. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the predictable outcome, which is that Chelsea drop points. Yeah. So I'm going to say 1-0 to Spurs. 1-0 <laughs> to Spurs. Uh... I think it's got to click at some point, even by accident. Like, I think Chelsea are going to score a goal in this game that just makes you believe that they are just a wonderfully talented side. Just a gorgeous, gorgeous goal, like back to front. And then lose the next two games. Like, <laughs> that, that's just something that's going to happen. Like, when you just, like, I don't know. You, if you throw three darts at a dartboard randomly, at some point you're going to get a triple 20, a triple 18, and, a, like, a triple 19. Like, if you throw it at the dartboard enough times. Which is why I think that at some point this team is going to accidentally click. And I think that might be in this game. That being said, Spurs play a very tight, rigid formation. Chelsea have been very, very disconnected when they've gone forward. Um, they've been disconnected in the back. They've been disconnected in midfield. And there's nowhere else to be disconnected. So I'm going to go with 2-1 Spurs. I think Chelsea score first, though. I think it's a comeback Spurs win. Huh. 2-1 Spurs. And Richarlison is scoring both. It's going to be a big week for me. <laughs> but Stuart Armstrong scoring the winner. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that trade-off. So that's where we'll end it off this week. A little bit of a shorter episode this week because, you know, it's late. We're... Ethan's very jet lagged. He already fell asleep three times in the bed just yeah. doing notes for this. Um, so no closing segment this week. Keeping it short for all the Gen Zers out there who can't hang on for an hour. So with what surprise you made? <laughs> if you made it this far, give us a five stars on uh, on the on the uh, on Apple Pods or Spotify. We'd appreciate it. But with that, we will say goodbye. Adios. See ya.